so we are so excited to be here today to talk about the mid-season uh, finale of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, it is called Into the Forest I Go, and uh, Tom is here to talk about it with me. Hi. Yeah, I'm really excited. So, uh, so what did you think of this episode and uh, as a finale and also just as an episode? Um, as just as a piece of television, I was completely captivated. Like I honestly, like I, I it was edge of your seat kind of stuff. Um, and not just be, and not, it, that wasn't artificial. That wasn't, Oh, well, it's a fall finale. So something awesome is going to happen. No, the drama genuinely grabbed me from the first scene and held me tight. Like mm-hmm. there was no getting away from it. It was just mm-hmm. completely enthralling. Yeah. I agree. I thought it was really strong. I took uh, a lot of notes. Uh, I thought that uh, it was very well uh, written. I thought it was very well acted. And I thought it was just very compelling. I, I agree. And uh, so I, I, and I, thought, I felt like it was a very satisfying mid-season finale without being too like cliffhangery, you know, like it, there's some things we don't know, but then they gave us enough to not like be annoying. Right. Yeah. There's a good springboard into board into the rest of the season. Um, yeah. But so many things got tied up and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. So, all right. So we, we kind of get this uh, introduction, I guess, of that the ship of the dead is coming and it's uh it's got this cloaking they have this cloaking technology i guess that the the clearings that which was we found out about in the last episode which is why they were in pavo and why uh they were trying to get this like energy from that planet to to help them to be able to break that uh, cloaking technology from the Klingons. Anyway, so it's coming and uh, so they are ordered by Starfleet to abandon Pavo and to to retreat. Yep. And did you feel like this was something out of character for Starfleet to just like abandon a whole planet? Well, not. it's not out of character for Starfleet Command. Mm. Um, it would be out of character for our heroes on the ship. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a, that's the typical thing that you've got the, the bureaucracy is sort of an anvil upon which you strike the, the heroes and, and challenge them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, no, that's no different here. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Now ostensibly like, yeah, the ethics of Starfleet should be, um, no, you protect those, you protect those creatures. Um, but it, uh, also, I, I think that in a way that kind of indicates the way that, you know, war um, can rob you of your soul, right? Because you end up uh, mm-hmm. doing things you wouldn't normally do and or, or um, neglecting things you wouldn't normally neglect. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. It, it just made me think of uh, in Wonder Woman, you know, when, she, when there's that meeting of the generals and Wonder Woman is like, how can you, how can you say this? How can you just like rationalized all of these men and you know and then the but the uh the the captains uh, or generals whatever they are like they they're looking at it from this aggregate kind of a thing and not the personal way that she is so yeah it's kind of a, a similar sort of the way that that uh the war can turn turn 
humans or or living things in this case into just numbers in a way so it's right. interesting yeah i think there's a line in wonder woman there's soldiers uh, you know those soldiers were die will die thousands of them yeah. and and someone says well they're soldiers that's what they do right yeah yeah and without yeah. God, without any like you know uh evil or mustache twisting he's just like well that's the way it is right right yeah uh so okay so they uh they decide that they are going to they come up with the solution that they're going to be able to defend pavo but they need to uh create all of these uh jumps uh well they're kind of two things first they they need to put a sensor on the sensors on the klingon ship need to get down there and when they are able to do that then and the way that they're able to do that is to to create all of these jumps and so i kind of distract the the ship and uh anyway it was a little convoluted but it, it that's basically what they end up having to do and they told so they tell stamets that they have to make 133 jumps in yeah, order I grant that it was involved but i i really liked that it had to be so complicated because it made for better storytelling but also then it wasn't just magic from the pavans making it so they can see klingon ships like it wasn't just a wave of wand and and they, now they now the, their cloak is no good yeah that's true there there definitely was a a big sacrifice to be made uh and it and they they had to think outside the box like this was yeah, I agree. That it required brainstorming and kind of creativity, and it wasn't just an obvious solution. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. I agree. And uh, so they kind of have these. It sort of starts these two sort of plots going on. You have uh, you have Ash and Burnham that are going to the Klingon ship uh, to put these sensors in, and then you have the other plot of Stamets and this making all of these jumps and i thought that uh anthony rap uh, as stamets was tremendous in this episode oh yeah he was really good yeah i um i was that that's one of the reasons i was so on the edge of my seat and i i had heard that they were you know the in the buzz before this launched um someone made a point about so one of the producers or writers made a point about like, well, this is going to be like Game of, Thro- Game of Thrones in the sense that nobody is safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we're not above killing characters. Not saying we're going to, but like, you know, when you watch the original series, you know, you know, Bones and and Spock and and Kirk are going to be fine, and mm-hmm. that if there's yeah. a red shirt along, they're probably going to bite it. <laughs> you know, if it's right, gonna right. Be, if you don't know who they are. Um, then yeah, you know they're they're probably not safe, and you can and and yeah, that's oh no, they died, and this guy we've never seen before. Right. Well, this this is modern TV, so like it, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was I was on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. I thought the scene was so great with uh with Lorca and Stamets, and uh, he you know he says I wish I didn't have to ask you to make the sacrifice, and he says yeah. He says, you choose to go somewhere where nobody has gone before. That to me was like Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Star Trek it up in this Star Trek show. (laughs) Yeah. That was huge. (laughs) Star Trek about. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The the technology is 
has always been a little confusing as far as the spore drive and everything like that and these jumps and stuff, but that's the part that gets a little convoluted, but I didn't really care. It worked. Yeah, and, no, <laughs> and so anyway, so yeah, you have that with 133 because the jumps are, are taking a toll on Stamets to begin with. So to do 133 is, is really uh, brutal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an appalling number. Um, yeah. You know that it hurts every time. That's this, this overwhelming experience every single time. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes up and then he comes out every time addled and mm-hmm. the next one might just kill him. You know, like it, you don't know what what's going to be the straw, which one is going to be the straw that breaks the camel, the stamets back, right? That um, It's terrifying, yeah. Yeah. And his partner, in fact, his partner is there having to watch it all is also adding tension. Yeah, it adds a little pathos to it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And so I I also really loved the conversation between uh, Burnham and Lorca. And basically, like, her argument to her, to him, is I'm here on borrowed time. Like, I am the logical person to to go on you know to fulfill this mission and i know the klingon ship i've been on it and he he's resistant and i just he just she says there's no logic to your thinking i'm here on borrowed time i thought that was really a great scene between the two of them yeah and i I, what i liked about that is that like yeah she's right there's every logical reason to send her um except and the the only reason not to is that lorca's kind of attached Mm mm-hmm um, and I, 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 yeah, I really like how it's come together. Like now it's clear to me, very clear and obvious almost why he would want to keep her on the ship, even though she's a mutineer, et cetera, mm-hmm. because he's a mutineer at heart. Like yeah, I, think, yeah. I think he's a guy who at heart will, will break any rule to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when he even says that we've uh, had to turn polite scientists into fierce warriors. And I, yeah. I think that that that's very true. <laughs> Yeah, and there was a bit of sadness in that speech. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I I liked that, um, and I, I like that Lorca didn't turn out to be a son of a bitch. But I'm glad that, like, I'm glad that though that he was cast and and performed in such a way that what is the, who is you know he like he's an unknown quantity mm-hmm. that we didn't feel like we were safe in the embrace of Captain Jean Luc Picard. Like, with, with she's a very familiar Starfleet captain. Like, she's the quintessential. Pike through, uh, Pike through Archer, Star Trek captain. Right. Uh, but, but Lorca is not. There's some, there's some things that are familiar about him, but he, I like that he was an unknown quantity. He wasn't presented to us as the hero we were supposed to root for and he could do no wrong the way Cisco was. Even though Cisco does do wrong, even though Cisco does make some, go on to make some questionable decisions and do some pretty radical things, we're with, we're pulling for him. Not so with Lorca. We don't know what he what he's going to do, or whether we're going to even like him or not by the end of the show. And I like that we do, but I like that we question it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he is a very sort of he's a realist when it comes down to it. I think. Yeah. Uh, with his character. I think himself anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and he he just I don't know. Like he's the kind of person that I think is able to kind of pull it all together for the, uh, the, the, the crisis situation. But I think if he ever like took a holiday or something, he'd probably be very like 
have all this have a lot of problems you know what i mean like yeah. there's certain people that are like better in the crisis kind of situation uh-huh yeah absolutely like the the general who shoots himself in peacetime or, uh, or like um, yeah i think it was meriwether lewis from the lewis and clark expedition who when he came home shot himself because um, he just had nothing to live for anymore and there was no there was no war to fight no no mountains to climb and so yeah given how mentally broken we know he is um per his the professional opinion of his best friend mm-hmm. um uh yeah he's yeah. he's he's all yeah but he's also kind of a mess and that's cool too mm-hmm. yeah agreed and speaking of his friend so uh so burnham and ash uh beam onto the ship to the klingon ship and they immediately sense human presence they find Cornwell, so we find out she is not dead, but she can't really move her legs, and uh, she's uh, been heavily injured. Oh, that we saw the um, Klingon uh, female, Lorel, I think is her name. Lorel. Lorel, sorry, Lorel, and she is in prison, in the same prison as as uh, Cornwell, and uh, so. Anyway, Ash has this extreme response to to her presence. Yeah. It brings back all of this, like all of this torture and PTSD and shock, and he becomes like completely incapacitated. What do you think about that? That was cool. This is not the first time Star Trek has covered PTSD, but um, it's the first time it's been covered this dramatically. It's called "It's Only a Paper Moon." That's the episode. Hmm. It's only a paper moon. Um, highly recommended. Um, okay. So basically, he, cool. he hides in he hides in the holodeck. But anyway, so the the point being, they that um, they've coped with um, PTSD before, but in sort of a recovery setting, not in this crisis setting where Ash calming you know the, where the soldier in question calming down is a life and death matter. Um, so this was real cool. And I also liked that he was sitting next to a psychologist. And I don't know. I don't know enough to, about psychology to know if that what the techniques she was giving him were real, or or what. But I liked that in this episode, the science of psychology, soft science though it is, was taken mm-hmm. seriously, mm-hmm. more seriously than I think any other Star Trek show has treated the subject. They've had psychologists mm-hmm. on the show before, who are characters who are psychologists from actually 1966. They're from time to time been psychologists, but. That doesn't mean, and you know, Counselor Troy is the biggest example from mm. uh, TNG. But it, they've never really, mm. they've never really gotten very serious about psychology as a science in the show, because usually mm. it's set up as like, oh, do you need to talk? You know, and and it's just like, oh, I'm your counselor, and I'll talk to you. Not this science that has that's a real thing that has real techniques and, uh, you know, for treating certain things. And yeah. Um, this was serious as a heart attack psychology, and that yeah. was cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think maybe if I was gonna nitpick a little, I think it was a little. It, it was just edging on gratuitous at times. I, I think it, it, it was. A, I thought they could have toned it down and been a little less violent, but, uh, but I don't know. I guess you know they're trying to do the more mature thing and, yeah, uh, with this. So I get it. I. I think particularly when you combine it with, we'll talk about the, the sort of the rape element that, that gets introduced. It was a little, it was just a little too much for me. I wish they toned it down a little bit. 
<clears throat> but you know, for, the, for the sake of letting my son watch it, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. But um, at the same time, we're seeing an intensity from Star Trek that we've never seen before. And I guess that new, and there's something to be said for doing new things with Star Trek and seeing, testing it a little bit, you know, seeing what it can do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's true. That's true. Uh, so I, I think that it was some powerful scenes between Burnham and Ash, you know, and uh, you know, she says they won't, they, they, they didn't break you then they won't break you now. And, uh, and I don't know, there was, it was just, it was a moving and the chemistry between the two of them I've always liked. And the, the bond between them was just so strong. And I thought it really worked in those scenes. I thought all, all of the actors were really strong in the, in that scene. They were, they Absolutely. were up to the challenge. And so and it was, and it was pretty tense. Cause you're like, you're zooming back between uh, the Stamets and, you know, that is at this point. I think it was like only seventy or something like that. And ninety jumps. some odd, and I, and I, and, yeah. yeah, and I'm sure everyone with me just went, Jiminy crickets, Holy right? Cow. And and the doctor, the poor guy alone, get him out of there. Yeah. Well, the doctor said, "Call it off, call it off," yeah. and and Lorca just says, "Do whatever you have to do to finish the jumps." Like this is absolutely crucial. Clinging on of this uh, of the ship, uh, so. Burnham, she puts the sensor in, she ends up, uh, but she ends up interacting with this captain, and she actually speaks to him in Klingon, and he has... He has a universal translator, yeah. Yeah, so he has uh, the, the, I don't know what they call it in Star Trek, but the pin of the, um, he has Giorgio's pin. Oh, yeah, her badge, yeah badge sorry badge and he actually is like even picking his teeth with it it's pretty reminding us of the fact that he ate her mm -hmm. freaking ate her yeah yeah it's pretty gnarly and uh, so she tells him that i thought the klingons were honorable and uh and uh she says i'm the one who killed takumba you were not here and then they have they they fight and i thought that was really fun I, I, yeah, this was an aspect where I felt like they were borrowing a little from Star Wars in terms of like the grandiosity and the mm. oh crap kind of feeling, you know that <laughs> that the, the, because Star Wars is known for having those kind of big confrontations where the lightsabers come out right and it's on. Um, yeah. Star Trek doesn't usually do that kind of thing where there's like dramatic weight behind the fight um, and it's a duel, you know. Oh yeah, that's true. I just I just I'm not like, complaining. Absolutely yeah. not complaining. It was cool. I just thought, I accept your challenge, human. That was yeah, really good, I uh, thought. It was pretty bad, eh? yeah. <laughs> it was good. Uh, and she, you know, she gets knocked down pretty bad. She gets, uh, she's certainly not like some invulnerable character. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the fight choreography was just, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was really good. And your your death will seal seal my power as the Klingon leader. And oh yeah, the pattern and everything. Yeah, it's it, that's absolutely very Star Wars. But yeah. then again, the Klingons are pretty operatic people, you know. So it, it, it absolutely works. Yeah, it was really good. And so uh, they and that's a pretty long sort of segment. And and uh, so uh, she, I'm trying to. Remember. And, but she, I'm trying to remember, actually, I forgot to write down, does she end up just uh, just knocking him out, or does she end up 
killing him. I can't remember. She kills him. He she does. Kills him. Well, okay. no, she actually no. It's kind of a draw. Like she gets beamed out, and then oh. he dies in the subsequent because they can suddenly see. Um, oh right, and then the ship gets blown up. So yeah. Yeah, okay. and again, I'm rem- I'm being reminded of Star Trek Six, where again they figure out a way to see the oh, the cloaked yeah. bird of prey, right? And but. Oh yeah, Christopher Plummer's on the on the bench, but whether they know, and he sees this torpedo kind of spiraling towards him slowly, and he's like, "Is it gonna get us?" Yeah, and he, and he goes to be or not to be, and then he blows up, right? Very dramatic. It, this it, it reminded it was they did that again, but in a way that was really cool in its own right, and was totally yeah, it worked. It was just yeah. Well, so they end up, yeah, beaming uh, onto the ship. But before they're able to do that, uh, well, as they're doing that, Laurel sort of like grabs on to Ash and and she ends up beaming onto the ship. And at first I thought, oh, well, because I thought, oh, she's going to like, you know, attack or there's going to be some kind of thing. But they were just like, first I was sort of surprised because they're just like, oh, there's a Klingon prisoner. And I thought, oh, okay, that's sort of anticlimactic. But of course, that's really not the ending. But yeah. <laughs> and so I, I really liked. Uh, there's a scene where uh, so Burnham has Giorgio's uh, badge, uh-huh. as you call it, and Saru finally has kind of respect for what Burnham has accomplished and what yeah. she's done. That was a nice moment. I thought. Yeah, indeed. Uh, th- it was a nice atonement, and um, yeah, it was a great moment. And I, yeah, and I love that she she got that back. And it's the only it's it's her remains, uh, effectively. It's it's because there's no body to be had now. Mm. It's it's her remains. It's her now that they now they can kind of bury her, both mm-hmm. in terms of um, like. <clears throat> you know, interring, interring remains or, or whatever, or memorializing a person and then moving on. But, they, they're, but they're actually move, burying her betw- uh, between themselves. Like, uh, Captain Giorgio is no longer going to be an issue between them. Yeah. And that, that was cool. Yeah, it was. And, and so the, the Klingon ship is destroyed. Uh, they take it out. And, uh, the, um, and Cornwell is, is sent off, so you don't really hear from her for the rest of the episode. They're, they're basically, like, the Starfleet then says, like, the war is not yet, uh, well, not, not yet won, but you've increased the likelihood of victory for Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and they're supposedly going to give Lorca this award of honor. And, uh, but then you get this scene between, uh, Ash and Burnham where sh- sh- he, she says when you saw that Klingon who is she to you and uh, and we basically get to hear uh, from him that sh- uh, she's the she's the reason I had nightmares 227 days but it took only one to realize I wasn't going to make it out alive until I uh, unless I wasn't going to make it out alive unless I made a choice. I survived. The right. Klingon was more than just my captor. She was my torturer. And uh, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting. So they bring out this, this whole element of basically sort of, I, I feel like I, I can't think of, again, I don't watch a ton of mature content, but the idea of sort of a, a male uh, rape kind of storyline is pretty bold. It is, and it's it's really interesting. Um, 
I wasn't bothered by it in that because it, uh, in terms of like, you know, for content or whatever, they, they weren't trying to turn us on. They were right, right. They're trying to convey how traumatic that would be um, and how perverse it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have a weird cultural thing around male men getting sexually abused. We're really yeah. weird about it. And I, it, in a way that's like, it's toxic. And this is, this episode, this show is, is uh, moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, like men getting sexually abused, it needs to be taken just as seriously as a woman getting sexually abused. Sure. Um, you know, how many, how many times, you know, do you hear like on morning radio, you hear about, you know, some woman getting put away for uh, raping her 15 year old student and they're high five and they're like, Hey, this is a lottery and went for that kid. Lucky him or whatever. Mm, No, no, it's not a joke. It's not cute. Mm -hmm. It's not funny. You know, even, even when in, in, in cultural content that takes its uh, male sexual abuse seriously, it's misunderstood and misinterpreted. It makes me so crazy. So mm-hmm. the book, The Reader, for instance, um, mm. a, a really good and interesting novel. I recommend it. And a, a pretty good movie as well. Um, that's about a young man who gets sexually abused and it breaks him. Like it really hurts him. Mm. He is damaged through his life because of what this grown woman did to him when he was a teenager. Mm. Really weird. I mean, even the whole like cougar culture, I really hate yeah. that. I'm not a fan. Uh, I mean, even uh, Adam Sandler made a whole comedy about uh, the um, "That's My Boy" about uh, he like he supposedly had this kid with this, his teacher, and it's like this cool oh. slap high five kind of thing, and it's a comedy. You know, it's just like oh. bizarre. But uh, but this was done done right, and I really I really thought it was moving and. Again, I think a lot of it helps with this just really great chemistry between uh, between these two actors. I thought they were really good, and it just you just feel this empathy, and that uh, I that she has no way of really understanding what uh, he's going through, but she's just she's just listening and she's loving, and she feel like this is Star Trek again showing us what we can aspire to be because in the 23rd century, it ain't no, like it's not, not that it ain't no thing, but just that like it's, there's no weirdness around the fact that he's a man who is sexually abused. None. Like he was, it's just taken for granted. He's abused. It's bad. Mm -hmm. And there's no, Hey, way to go. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. There's none of that bullshit. None of it. Right. 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 So the one thing I, I maybe, I kind of wish, almost wish it had sort of ended at that. So they have this sort of tag with him, like, him uh, going and seeing Laurel in the prison and uh, they have this sort of weird uh, interaction I thought and uh-huh. the um, and there's this flashback that I didn't really care for I must admit this because we like had already gotten the point we knew like we'd had this I don't feel like we needed to see this you know rape kind of thing and I I, I just don't feel like it really added anything and it kind of maybe was even a tiny bit silly as far as like i don't know do we really need to see Klingon nudity in, in this i don't no, know i just dis- didn't really like it no i disagree i think they, i think we needed to get that, like this was straight up rape this was horrible um and yeah i i, I yeah because mm-hmm. I, like uh, you know uh i think it's 
sexist to say that a rape scene like in a show like Game of Thrones is is cool um, and there's that's not sexist but um, yeah. I, don't know, I just but, feel like the then, point had already been kind of made and so I didn't feel like yeah well I mean if you, I guess you, you I think all I'm saying is you should argue uh, you, if you're just say for no rape scenes in anything ever okay mm-hmm. that's fine I can get I you know I it, like I, I may disagree agree or disagree but at least you're consistent but like mm-hmm. um yeah, don't say that the one that the ones where Rimwinter getting raped her are, are are cool, but this is over the top. Yeah, of off. course. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just felt like I just like I said I just felt like it. The point had already been made, and so I didn't. I don't know. I just didn't see the need to kind of have it again. But but anyway, uh, there are some people I read online that are thinking that like Ash is under sort of is sort of brainwashed by. Lorel and that he's yeah. sort of a double agent of hers. Do you feel that way? It's possible. I, I, well, I definitely feel like she is a clear and present danger on that ship. And even if she is um, uh, in the brig, I, I don't care. She is scary and she's dangerous. And yeah. I- They have to make one more jump in order to get uh, in order to get back to Starfleet and uh, and so they he agrees to do one more time and there's you know really nice scene between stamets and uh and the you know the whole crew and everything and there's a nice little i kind of appreciated a a little lab um la bohem little reference which was because anthony rapp he's at least most known for me as being uh in rent yeah, that's one of the big songs in Rend is, and it's all kind of based on Love Bohem. I thought that was a little nice little Easter egg. That was fun. Yeah. And anyway, so there was a nice thing there, and basically, like they try to do the jump, and but Stamets collapses. He gets these white eyes, and they end up there's like a, it's an incomplete navigation se- sequence, and they end up they don't know where they're at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have no Not idea. Not the first time that's happened in Star Trek. That's kind of a trope. But um, my my wife was was predicting mirror universe, mirror universe, and I kept was was I was waiting for some kind of a tell that they ended up in the mirror universe, but it mm-hmm. they didn't. They withhold they withheld that. For all we know, they're just in the Delta Quadrant or something. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. If you think they're in an alternative universe of some kind, and, and through through all these jumps. Yeah, I think I, my inclination is that they are where no man has gone before, uh, <laughs> right? Where where no Star Trek has gone before. So I don't think they're in the Delta Quadrant. I don't think they're going to encounter the Borg or the Kazon or the Talaxians. I don't mm-hmm. think they're in the Gamma Quadrant. I don't think they're going to bump into the founders of the Jem'Hadar or any of that stuff. Um, no crossover stuff is going on here. I think. I think it's just they're out there some who knows where, and they and they're just going to be to try to their job is going to be to figure out where they are and try to get back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause uh, they're saying like they didn't have any of this technology in the original series and they're trying to like that it would kind of explain some of these continuity issues that had bothered a lot of fans. If yeah. there's, if there's sort of this alternative universe. And so I don't know. So it's interesting. Kind yeah, of I, need point. To, I need to send you um, a, a Reddit thread. That's hilarious, <laughs> but it's, it's, um, it's called the, it's called the United Federation of hold my beer. And the, the, the premise that like what it's these people talking and they, and they start realizing that like um, uh, back and forth are talking about like 
the Federation is basically run by humans because humans are the only ones who will do this crazy crap with their, with their, <laughs> with their uh, ships and with their engines, you know, mm. bending reality and going right. back in time and <laughs> all this crazy crap. And, and it's, yeah, it's really funny because, and, 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 you know, they, they, we do things because not because we need to, but because it would freaking rule, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> You know, like there's an episode of, of um, Next Gen where like the ship, the Pegasus, is an experimental ship and it's been trapped. Well, the, what, what had happened was is that they, they wanted to not only create a Romulan cloaking device, but they also wanted to create a cloaking device that like would allow them to go inside a planet so they could phase out of, out of ships, shift, shift their phase or something so that they could actually be inside a planet and go through anything. And why? Because it would rule. <laughs> Because <laughs> it would be awesome. Yeah. Um, and um, and the, the one Vulcan in the room was like, why do we need to do that? Because it would rule. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, remind me of a, uh, one of the Jerry Seinfeld's uh, bits that he does where he talks about uh, the uh, how what a male idea it was to have a car on the moon. Yeah, on the moon isn't that far enough anyway uh, <laughs> but uh, we freaking but, can that's why yeah so yeah i just feel like they like i said they gave enough things to be like we we have a lot of questions but it wasn't in an obnoxious kind of way that someone like Stephen Moffat, who I'm not a fan of, like the kind of cliffhangers that he likes to do, these sort of twists and stuff, just not my favorite. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. And so I think they did a really good job. And so I don't know, let's just share some thoughts from you about the f- this season as a whole and how you felt about it. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of go back and, and watch them in order. No, I've seen most of them twice, just as a consequence of. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I, I caught it, but my wife didn't or whatever. And so I'll sit mm-hmm. through it twice. But um, no, I'm, I'm uh, looking back. Yeah, I'm, I'm satisfied. Like, I'm, I'm really pleased with um, the writing and the, the way that they're acknowledging previous Trek, but enriching it. They're not, it's not just, hey, remember the original series? Hey, remember Next Gen or any, any of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's not just, hey, remember. It's, it's no, we're doing Star Trek now. We're going to keep doing this uh, and we're going to build on it. We're going to make it richer and more interesting and, and um, add to it. And that's, they, they're, they're succeeding. And I'm very pleased. Mm-hmm. I'm very pleased too. I think that they could have easily half baked this. They could oh, have, yeah. uh, you know, this was just on their streaming service. They had a certain uh, kind of crop of people who were going to watch regardless. Yeah, and they could the have, trickies. yeah, yeah, they could have placated kind of and just like made it good enough for them to. But I feel like they really tried to be bold. They had got great actors. I really love this whole cast. I think they're wonderful. I think that it, it just the production values have been cinematic uh, on a cinematic level. I I think there have been some great episodes, like the time the time warp episode was just so fun and so engaging. I think that they have i mean i ever since the pi- I, I was blown away by the pilot i thought it was really epic i have a few little little nitpicks here and there but overall i was just super entertained i thought it was really good and yeah i don't have the 
the background to be bothered by continuity or some of the other things that, that, that might bother other people. And you know what? Most don't. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel like in some ways this was maybe made for someone like me. Uh, and I, I can only view it through the lens that I view it. And I thought it was really entertaining. And, yeah. uh, and it, as far as my experience with the movies and about half of the, the first season of the original series that I've seen, uh, well, maybe two thirds of the, I, I don't feel like it's, it's so out of whack of what I've seen uh, in the various films. And, and uh, I feel like it's within the realm of possibility, I guess. And uh, I don't know. I just, I just feel like the writing has been strong. I feel like the acting has been really strong. The production values have been really strong and overall it's just been a very entertaining entertaining show so i'm excited for january and to get the second half of the season and uh to talk about it continue talking yeah, about it i have <laughs> to say like this is another thing that's unprecedented in star trek too well except for maybe the original series is this all killer no filler record like yeah did they was there a one where you went oh no let's let's just forget that ever happened even one no there was one i remember that we There's were like well this like one's kind of a awesome. filler but <laughs> yeah but it it was never like i don't know yeah i don't no, think there it, was because there was it, just nine episodes series, even the original well i don't yeah even the, in the original series in the first season in every star trek series there's been at least one where you're like okay let's just forget that ever happened that was a nightmare like yeah or that is so problematic on so many levels et cetera, et cetera. You know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, in original series, it was Miri. And in the in Next Gen, it was Code of Honor. In, um, in DS9, it was uh, Alan Moraine. And I, I could name right, them. Right, right. Like, I, I can't name that episode no. in this series, in this, in this uh, season so far. Now, you know, the season ain't over yet, but so far, so good. I agree. I agree. There's nothing that has been boring either. And I'm sorry, but some of those original series episodes are a little dry. Yeah. And, uh, yeah to the modern <laughs> palette. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, I just really enjoyed it and uh, I had a lot of fun talking about it with you. So thanks for yeah. joining me. I think it, it's been a lot of fun and it's been a good time. I can't wait till January. Yeah. So uh, where can people find you? My Twitter, regular Twitter feed of just politics and jokes and whatever is uh, at Elmano Roboto. My um, uh, poetry feed at Happy Place Poems is um, samples of poems I've been writing inspired by Disneyland. So awesome. check that out. Cool. We'll have that all in the description section. And you can find me at Smiling LDS Girl on social media and my uh, review on my channel uh, for Justice League will be posting uh, tomorrow when the embargo lifts. So uh, uh, that will be a lot of fun. So look forward to that. And, uh, and thanks again. Thank you.